From the studios of their respective lounge rooms, a team of pyjama-clad TV tragics ready to slice, dice and dissect the best and worst of what's on the box. It's TV Binge Box. Hello everyone, I'm Dan Bennett. Welcome to TV Binge Box, the podcast where we review the best and worst of what's on the telly each week. It's a very big hello to our Binge Box team, Steve Mulk. Mmm, thanks Dan. Joe Casamento. Good evening, fellas. And our very own page three girl, Stephen Brooke. How are you, Brookie? <laughs> Amazing. Fake news, it's page two. Oh, page two, I'm sorry. But you have started a new gig this week, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I went, to a, I went to a party. I am the CBD columnist at The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. Jesus. And I went to a party this week and someone, you have to be a journalist to get this, but they basically said, oh, so you're The Age's version of Jennifer Hewitt, who was a... <laughs> Journalist, um, uh, several decades older than myself. <laughs> so, yeah, I wow. wasn't sure quite how to take that, but yes. I'm looking forward uh, to both um, uh, the other two members of this podcast being featured for no reason and a retraction anytime soon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Let's look forward to that one indeed. All right, gang. Plans are afoot. Plans are afoot. <laughs> uh, all right, gang, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, we have another huge show this week. Clap or Slap will be coming up a little bit later on. We'll be chatting Wentworth, Outcry, Neighbours, Q&A, Expecting Amy, and a whole lot more. Plus, Malk's back in the archives for another round of a rewind. But first, let's kick this thing off with... What is it, boys over man? Group Binge. This week, our Group Binge was the SBS docuseries Who Gets to Stay in Australia. Produced by ITV Studios, this is a four-part observational documentary narrated by the fabulous Brooke Satchwell and is billed as an immersive, emotional, high-stakes series following individuals, couples, families and the migration lawyers and agents who are advocating for them to live here. The series captures life-changing moments, giving an insight into the characters and the outcomes of their applications in some cases. The first two episodes have played out and can be found streaming now on SBS On Demand. The third and fourth episodes will drop over the next couple of Wednesday nights at 8.30pm on SBS. Joe, we're reminded straight out of the gates in mm. episode one that approximately every three minutes someone gains permanent residency in Australia, but that every year more than 40,000 are rejected. Immigration is a topic that often leads to fiery debate, so it's certainly a hot button issue to tackle on screen. Did the series successfully capture that narrative for you? Oh, okay. Big question. <laughs> <laughs> a big topic because, uh, Dan, you are absolutely correct. Um, migration is a hot button issue. But more than that, this series really showed me the breadth of the issue and how many different facets there are, the sub-issues mm. within the issues and, and the different types of uh, people applying for visas and permanent residency and where they come from and their reasons why. It is such a complicated issue. Um, and I think SBS did a fantastic job of humanising what is a really dehumanising process. And when we talk about these issues, whether it's, you know, stopping the boats or... or all sorts of complex migration issues. We quite often sort of just put them under a big banner, but mm. to see the humans within it and the stories and the families was quite... Um, it had me say several times just in my mind, wow, yeah. wow. And um, yeah. I accidentally watched the second episode first just by oh, okay, not using yeah. my on-demand app correctly. And the second episode, I was crying just intermittently <laughs> throughout, spontaneously. Yeah. Particularly there was this one family, and, and I'm sure, uh, I think, Brookie, you'll probably talk about it in a minute, but um, the family from Bhutan. Mm. Um, and they just really highlighted to me, it was very uplifting in that within this process and this life they were living whereby they were living visa to visa and, and even... As you guys probably know, having had to go through JobKeeper or whatever in the last few months, I think Australians that have never really been exposed to Centrelink and a lot of those systems, having to apply for things and the forms and the magnitude and, mm, and just mm. if you don't have English as your first language and all those things, just the barriers, you yes. know, in, in actually getting through the system. And as one of the experts pointed out, you can't, t it's become incredibly, increasingly longer wait times, but also you can't actually speak to a voice. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah. more and more we're speaking to computers or, or just being hung up on or put on auto response on your mm. phone. So 
the frustration of that, the, the being in limbo for any of number of these people applying for visa, what that does to their lives, how it puts them on hold for years and years, whether they know whether to have babies or to pursue this or, or just what that does to their mental health was astounding to me. Yeah. But that one particular family from Bhutan, I think the take-home message for me was that, and just for viewers out there, I won't ruin what, what happens because there is a bit of a, a you're, you're in suspense as to whether they do get granted uh, permanent residency, etc. Uh, within the episode so I won't ruin spoil that for anyone but that one episode was really uplifting because when you saw the school teacher who had taught him Auslan signing and even just yes. the thought of okay so this kid from Bhutan he doesn't he's deaf this is one of the sons uh, within this particular mm. family who are a beautiful family the father worked in aged care and he loved working in aged care and, and the mum was a nurse and the son was deaf and this school had taught him how to sign, but it was Auslan signing, which is only done in Australia. In Australia. So he, he is, has no communication skills outside of Australia. So if he's forced to leave, what that does to him, but that one particular family and the community of Aussies around him, that really uplifted me. It made me have complete faith in humanity mm. that the world yep. hasn't gone nuts, that when... We see good people and we, we, we as a voice, as a nation, can really do good things. And, and that really gave me restored faith for me in, um, in all of us as Aussies. So that was really uplifting. So as hard as it was to watch, and mm. I'm sure um, you guys will talk about some of the darker, darker places the documentary goes, it did really renew my faith in humans, I have yeah, to say. It, it was wonderful. That certainly was interesting. Sorry, Brookie, go I was going to say, with regard to the central question about the immigration experience, it didn't capture it in its entirety because by the very nature of the program, we got the difficult cases. Mm. We didn't get... Uh, we saw very briefly people very happy during their citizenship ceremonies, but it wasn't the intent of the series to show, if you like, the instant success stories of the people who were granted their visas mm. early on mm. and didn't have problems. The intent here, I thought, was quite different. It was to show the difficulties, the you know moral conundrum problems, the fact that people have complicated lives, the fact that the laws and the rules, and particularly, as we saw time and time again, the bureaucracy in Australia can't deal with the complexities of people's lives, the widespread ignorance of a lot of the rules and how that yeah. could have devastating consequences, particularly if people had made a mistake yes. with their immigration yeah. process. Seemingly a, a uh, very basic mistake, yeah. Yeah, and how that just could haunt them for years later. Uh, and I don't shy away from the fact that there are very difficult uh, questions and decisions that the system has to make but geez wasn't it compounded mm. by the length of time everything took which I thought in so many cases was an injustice in itself yeah that was That's one torture. of the things that um, I took away from it most was just the time the time that these people had to sit and wait and their lives really are on we're in limbo, in limbo just on pause waiting yeah. for the stuff to stuff to happen. Well, the series gets quite dark at times. In f mm. um, in the first episode, after receiving news that her partner's application for a visa has been rejected because their relationship was deemed by the authorities to not be authentic, one of the participants walks off camera and takes an overdose of pills. Thankfully, she gets help in time. But it certainly drives home the emotional impact decisions like this have on people. What mm. did you make of that moment and the series as a whole? Look, it, it was super confronting, wasn't it? Because to, to their great credit, the filmmakers didn't telegraph it. Mm. Um, however, they gave you enough warning that if you needed to not watch it, you could step mm. step out of it. Yeah. Um, but we don't we don't see uh, her her take the pills, and and we do see start to see some of the effects, but not you know let's call the ambulance. They don't go there and turn it into that kind of drama. Um, yeah. It's it's incredible. Uh, and not in the best way. It's it's amazing to see it happen just in her resolve, in that almost like because her and her husband have for so long struggled with all of the tape and all of the conditions, and because he's not with her, he's back in Sri Lanka, India, I'm sorry, um, 
Yeah, I can't remember. Overseas, overseas, and yeah. she's here in Australia with with you know uh, a, a visa as a I think as a citizen. Um, to 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 see the fact that the weight of everything has borne on her, and at the moment when she gets the bad news, she just it, it's almost like a beat. And I can only imagine the million things that went through her head at that time. And she was up. I have to go to the bathroom. Can you just, you know, keep talking to them? And she's gone. Not very long. And then she's back. And and in reviewing it, you see her put a bottle of pills on the on the bench. Now, nothing outrageous in that, right? People do all, you know, go and take tablets at all sorts of reasons for all sorts of times. But to see it play out and to hear, like, to, to hear that that was the impact and then the outcome and, and that, you know, she was looked after well and, and, and able to sort of um, get the help that she needed in that time was amazing. But guys, yeah, what it's, I'm not about? entirely confident or comfortable with putting yep, that sequence to ask. air. Oh, no, it's difficult for ask, sure. I was going to ask, guys, what did you think about putting the producer and the cameraman in that position where they're almost responsible for this woman's life? Well, they didn't know it was happening, so... No, they didn't, but I just felt like, gosh, it really showed the, the, these are like godlike decisions, life and yep. death decisions that people are delivering on the phone and, and for their camera crew to be there for that was... I, I just didn't know how I felt about that. I wondered if just that was as well that too much were, hey? to assume of a... Yeah. Well, they did become responsible, mm. that, that they were there they and help, therefore yeah. they had to intervene... Of course. But given what we know, and there are very clear reporting lines about depiction of suicide and the UK charity, the Samaritans, mm. is uh, very good for guidelines about depictions in the media for suicides. You can't, mm. in print, in no newspaper will publish details mm, yes. or, or get too detailed about methods of suicide. Uh, we know through uh, one of the key factors in people's decisions to suicide involves their exposure to other suicide attempts, people they know, family, mm. friends, relatives, etc. Uh, there are also always strict warnings about the amount of detail you go into as to the method. I, it, I'm not giving a definitive answer, but I was very uncomfortable as a journalist in the way that that whole uh, episode was depicted. Yeah, I, I actually was torn about it too, Brookie. I don't know that we needed to see it to tell the story. But I, I, yeah, I struggled with that a lot. Um, I also, I, it's interesting, Joe, that you said that you watched the, the second episode by mm. accident first. And I wonder Which if... was much more intensely heart-wrenching. The mm. first I found myself far less... Some of the uh, families, I was a bit like, well, you know what, you did the wrong thing, you were here for 10 mm. years. That particular chef, I didn't have much empathy for because I felt like he had dodged the system willingly and knowingly and was now trying to, you know, I didn't feel huge empathy for him. I don't know how you guys felt. Yeah, well, I had Could the exact I, I was going to say, uh, taking away their individual stories mm -hmm. i found the first episode very repetitive in that we were explained the different scenarios of these people and then we went back over their situation and we incrementally went forward and we interviewed them quite uh, several times throughout the episode and then hey presto right at the end just in a series of captions uh their stories were resolved or not resolved or major life events occurred <laughs> yes, through a series of captions mm. at the end, which involved yes. the results of their appeals for, in yeah. one instance, a major life event mm. in the, with couples, uh, with one of the couples. Uh, and I thought surely a better pacing of that would have been to get some of that into the episode because that really, I think, would have had a profound effect on them. And as viewers, we didn't get to see their reaction to mm. all of that. Well, I, I had the same reaction as the, as the two of you. I, at the end of the first one, thought it was actually a pretty average show. I wasn't mm. moved at all. Yeah. I found that the stories, like you said, Joe, weren't compelling. And in a lot of the cases, it's kind of like, yeah, well, you know, you did the wrong thing. When we hear so many stories about 
immigration and migration to this country and people who were really facing tough, you know, unfair challenges. It didn't feel like these people in that first episode in particular were really particularly, um, I don't know, worthy of, of the screen time and of my, you know, my heartfelt things. And Brookie, like you, getting just sort of the answers tacked on at the end um, kind of felt really underwhelming. But then the second episode really mm. did kick into gear and I sort of emotionally invested. So if you haven't watched it yet and you're looking to watch it at home, yeah. um, you know, don't, don't, be, yeah, don't be disillusioned <laughs> by the first one. In fact, you don't have to watch them in any particular order because they're self-contained stories. Yes. yes. Um, that is true. And also I think the second episode benefited from the community, the Australian mm. community, yes. having an input as they did for the Wan Chung family in the New South Wales town of Queanbeyan. Mm. Because we got to see the interaction and the impact and the effect that this immigrant family had had, not just in their jobs as carers and nurses uh, and as early childhood educators, but the two boys oh. at school. And we talked yeah. to their school students. And the Aussie girlfriend. And, and when they bought... Mm. Oh, I shouldn't ruin it. But that last yeah. line where they're living yeah. the Australian dream is very, very... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Playing, you know how how often. <laughs> my my thought as because I, I agree it felt a bit weird, uh, a little bit like kind of a, a hard turn sometimes uh, to have that. So all of the you know ultimately the payoff on the stories happened in a mm. in a still rather mm. than in footage, and I can only imagine that for the documentary makers that came down to the fact that they weren't around when the calls came in, because oh, either yeah. it was months to however long after they'd been with them uh, or it as we know the calls can just happen yeah. like, and and we do see that in future episodes i've knocked so through well, you've all watched of them ahead right so yeah, how, yeah. how does it weigh up the next few oh uh, like yeah the, second or the, the first? vibe from the second episode carries through pretty strongly right. into the third and okay. fourth um, so are you saying Malk, they made a mistake in the story selection for the first episode it almost felt like that was a pilot that they put together and off the back of that they got the other eps i don't know that that's the case yeah, but it, it yeah. just really looked like here's an idea here's some stuff and for whatever reason how have we missed you know the phone calls the big stuff um I, I will you know telegraph that there's court cases and all sorts of things that we get made privy to in mm. coming episodes that uh, both we we have never seen before, but also give us some of that closure or, or indication of how the story progresses. Um, that's really well. Key. Actually, in the in the opening line, they said we've had unprecedented access mm -hmm. to the administrative appeals tribunal. Yes, and we didn't really see that in that opening episode, uh, apart from excerpts from later yes. episodes where people are fronting up in court and. Obviously, it's a very tense atmosphere. Yeah. So it's. I think the story selection was, yeah, dubious for the first episode because if you weren't committed to seeing what came next, I think they a were lot all of people the love stories, weren't they? They were the green card scenario, the old yeah. green card scenario. Yeah, I can so. tell you without giving any of it away that there is no less love stories in the future okay. episodes. Um, however not in the traditional love, you know, sort of marriage, I want to get a green card kind of scenario. Um, but there's certainly, you know, stories about people in relationships and, and all sorts of stuff that, that, that play in. Um, for this bleeding heart liberal, there's only so many times my heart can break and it breaks so many times. <laughs> did, did you cry? Did you I, cry, Mark? Look, Come there on. were some moments, Joe, where I was uh, yeah. brought to dab my eyes. Oh, oh, so oh, it's worth watching. It's worth oh. persevering with Nick. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And also, no spoilers. They're not all happy endings. Yeah. No. Okay. It's um, an I interesting one. I liked the experts. I liked the experts. I have to say, explaining immigration law um, and and why it's so and and how mm -hmm. this amount of money costs this much money for the taxpayer and you know all those sorts of yes, things. Yes. Yeah. I felt that was very. I liked that because that was stuff I didn't know, and I think that's important stuff to know. Yeah. Well, ignorant little me, who knew that uh, if you married someone, that was no guarantee mm. about your future yeah. rights to be in Australia. No, not, that was new for me. Yeah. And, and uh, anyway, sorry. Some ups and downs with that one. Sorry, Mark. Just going to throw in a massive high five and shout out to Jamila Risby's dad. Oh, that's um, her dad. That's oh, her dad. Fantastic. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. So well spoken. I loved him. He as, as an immigrant fantastic. working for the Department of Immigration and the minister, 
amazing situation. Yeah, and he was mm. so succinct, and his his language was just oh, so watchable. Yeah, I, I had a quick chat with Jam about it. He has seen it all. It's yeah, amazing the stories that that man has yeah. around people both trying to swindle the system as much as people who are just absolutely literally throwing themselves on the mercy of, um, you know, ostensibly the Administrative Appeals Tribunal because they know that if they go home, they will die. Mm. Mm, and I liked when he said, you know, the Minister for Immigration has, you know, abs- more power than any other minister really mm. to play yes. God. Yeah, and some of them are not worthy. He didn't mention names. Yeah. <laughs> Very generous, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. All right. So lots of positives with this mm. one. It sounds like a couple of negatives as well. Let's do a whip around and see what our team thought overall. A mark out of five, Joe. Oh, I've never done this before. I'm going to say three and three quarters because it's not okay. quite a four for me, <laughs> but it's a little bit above a three and a half. All Can right. I get that technical? Yeah, that's acceptable. Okay. Mock. <laughs> Oh, look, I, I put it at, at a neatly stitched together, built my heart back up again, four stars. It's worth sticking oh. in. Mm-hmm. They're great stories. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And Brookie? It sounds like the more you see of this, the better it becomes. I have not completed watching the second episode, but I'm giving it a solid three based on what I've seen so far. Okay. And yeah, if I was marking it after the first episode, it would have got a two, two and a mm-hmm. half. Um, after the second episode, I'll give it a three as well and hope that it, it keeps picking up with the remaining couple of episodes coming up the next couple of weeks on SBS, Wednesday nights, 8.30. Yes. All right, that's this week's Group Binge Done and Dusted. Another serious one this week on the back of Athlete A last week. So, Joe, we're doing a complete <laughs> 180 for the next Group Binge, aren't we? Oh, I <laughs> turn this truck boys, around. Don't I? I'm so happy. I've just gone red with excitement. It's only three more sleeps to go, fellas. Mm, oh no. That's right. Mm. Osha is coming back to reprise his role as host from the previous two series of The Bachelor in Paradise Paradise. franchise. Yes, it was intended to air in April. So fortunately, it is coming back post-COVID, post-shutdowns caused Mm. by COVID. Uh, It's set to premiere on the 15th of July, which is Wednesday night. And I, for one, can't wait. Mm, That'll be an interesting Uh, one. Who doesn't love love? (laughs) Who Who doesn't doesn't love love? love. Thanks, Mark. That's exactly it. And it looks like they've brought all the best all the oh villains from the past Bachelor series. I saw Kira's oh. back. She's getting yeah, rolled Kira's every back. Year. Remember, yeah. she's dumped Jared. She's Is it back. Abby? Abby's in. Yes, you've got the two that guys woman. that had long hair and weird tattoos Kieran, and all sorts of things. Kieran, the one who gets naked all the yeah. time. Yeah, him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> Dan's level of excitement. <laughs> oh, my God. Dan's level of excitement is so low. It's amazing. <laughs> Brookie, do you, Brookie's He's yawning. yawning. <laughs> Brookie's yawning. <laughs> I've got other stuff on my plate at the moment. This will be like the chocolate at the end of your meal, Brookie. Just oh, little... good. It'll wake you up. All right. That's and next I do week's... love chocolate. <laughs> That's next week's group binge. Make sure you drop us a line once you've had a look and let us know what you think. We're at TV underscore binge box on Twitter. And we're on Facebook, of course, TV binge uh, just box. To, just to point out, I don't think I yet. said... I was so excited. It's from Tuesday to Thursday at 7.30pm on oh. Channel 10. Just to be clear when, when you can catch it. Excellent. Thank you very much. Joe, all right, now it is time to find out what our Binge Box team have been watching this week in... Clap or Slap. Mulk, you're up first this week. What have you been watching? Well, I stumbled over a TV show that it turns out it was seeded into my subconscious by one of our glorious (laughs) um, TV Binge Box podcast gang members. It's called The Casketeers. Um, What's this about? This is, uh, look, it is your run-of-the-mill, let's go that far, observational documentary fly on the wall looking at a family business based in Auckland New Zealand it's called as I said the Casketeers and they run a family uh, a funeral business a family funeral business it's called Tepenny Funerals that's their family uh-huh. name Francis is the man in charge and his long suffering wife uh, Kia is his just there to basically stop him spending it is delightful they care so delicately and gently with the people that have passed because they have a cultural background. Uh, Francis himself is half Tongan, half Maori, uh, and Kia is is uh, full Maori, and they employ a Tongan lady and, and Samoans, and New Zealand is full of amazing Pacific Islander people. The way they mourn is massive. 
like big, big, big. Runs for mm-hmm. days and weeks sometimes. So their energy that they pour into it is incredible. And f- we learn Francis is an entertainer. It's just so fun. You've got to get into it. It's really, really great. As long okay. as you can deal with the fact that they are dealing with, you know, people who've passed. Yes. Everything else is outrageous. It's so good. It's so good. Francis, the whole first season is Francis dealing with his weight and wanting to buy right. more suits and his wife isn't letting him buy more suits. And it, here, he's so cool. Uh, it, the first two seasons are on Netflix and season three is about to start on SBS Viceland. Ah, okay. So it is still going. And I'd it be is touching wood good. all the time. I don't think I could do death as a series. It's it's beautiful in you see how gently they deal with those that have passed and the families who are obviously deep in grief um and i've always wondered how as an emotional man how people who work in the industry are able to maintain that stoic professional you know because they have to deal with elderly people young people babies the whole shebang and they hold fast they do an incredible job there might be moments and we do see some of that underbelly where it's a little bit fragile but it's so cool. It's so cool. A bit of a spoiler, in late season two, season three, Francis gets security cameras and he cannot help himself. It's phenomenal. Um, look out for Nonna. Mm, look out sounds... for... Look, it's almost my clap or slap. It is so okay. great. I love this much. So, so much. I will check it out. Um, that's The Casketeers on Netflix season one and two, season three about to be on SBS Viceland. I watched Q&A on Monday night, mm-hmm. which I think is the second time this year that I've watched, um, as some of my friends call it, The Bad Show. And um, look, I enjoyed a post-politics pine and a uh, reflective Sean McAuliffe, who, like everyone else, was there and it was great. Brooke Boney was a part of it, but those two guys were, air quotes, the star of the show. And Hamish McDonald is, I think, doing a fine job as host. Um, It was an enjoyable hour and a bit of watching. We didn't get to hear anywhere near the conversation that was just starting to to play out. Um, Great questions. I commend it to you. If you've stepped away, it's worth checking out. Q&A, I think, is doing good business on Monday nights. I have to protect myself from it because I get too angry. Um, <laughs> uh, that's on the ABC, of course. Yes. Now, I watched a three-part doco series that was made yeah, for yes. HBO Max and released, I think, very, very recently and is right now on Fox Showcase. It's called Expecting Amy, and it follows the comedian Amy Schumer as she both releases... Um, a Netflix special and in kind of simultaneously in parallel has a baby. Mm-hmm. So we get it from like the day ostensibly that she learns she's pregnant just in a confessional to her camera. There's lots of bits filmed on iPhone very clearly as much as, uh, as other things that play through it. It's broken up into three trimesters, if you will. Um, and she gets real sick. Like yeah. I know some ladies vomit when they get pregnant, she gets sick, sick. Um, wow. So it's, you know, uh, not just comedy and life and Amy Schumer and all of that and who she is and, and her humour injected into it and those things. It's also her health issues and her trying to keep gigging and prepping for this special and doing all sorts of stuff. Um, and, you know, her reasonably new relationship with, well, marriage relationship with her husband. Um, like, spoilers, she has a son and it's amazing. Yeah. I watched this Just one too. I incredible. loved it. I thought it was yeah. so good. And it was like, she was so brave. She was accessed all areas. There was nothing yeah. hidden. But are you two fans of Amy anyway? So if you're not a fan, because I am not a fan of her comedy, would you oh, like it? Or do you have to be a fan of hers? I'd watch her special. I, I, like, I wouldn't rush out. I haven't rushed to see her films. Yeah. Um, but I, I enjoy Look, she certainly is. If you think that Amy Schumer is crass, she's crass. In this, yeah. okay. you know, so. she's dropping it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, it's super real. There's it's super real. in the way that you know she talks about being no filter. There is no filter in this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you see, like you see the morning sickness quite mm. explicitly. So as a as someone who's mm. given birth, you may not well, be interested lovely. in revisiting <laughs> all that. But um, yeah, I, I, thought, I, has I really enjoyed it. But then she has a baby. Yeah, yeah. It, look, it's it's really easy. They're about forty minute episodes. They're not yeah. long. All three of them are available on catch up on on Fox. Uh, Foxtel right now Fox Showcase is the channel that I think it was bundled under I don't even think it's aired on that in in linear process but it's certainly there to watch I commend it to you Um, I won't dwell long on my clap or slap because it is the focus of an upcoming group binge for us Um, the preview angels delivered to me 
Season 8, Episode 1 of Wentworth. <gasps> no, I Sweet hate you. baby Jesus. Wow. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's good. Um, oh, I'm so jealous. Picks up delightfully. Uh, a little bit of time has passed, but pretty much after season seven, you know, neatly. So we've got, of course, there's a baby in the offing now. Yeah, we, we have to deal with that. There are, of course, new uh, imports into the prison. There is a new um, CEO of the mob that run the prison, trying to impress the government and doing all those sorts of things. Jane Hall is in that role. The incredible Kate Box joins the cast as a criminal going into Wentworth. Um, and she, mate, she's a great actress. She is fierce in the, this role as Fingers is her nickname. Um, and it is outrageous. And let me just tell you that Kate Atkinson, who has played almost number two to a whole bunch of people through past seasons, no surprises, she's top dog now. And she Kate Jenkinson. Looking, sorry, Kate Jenkinson. I can, Kate yes. Jenkinson. She is looking amazing. And it is brilliantly written. Cannot wait to see the rest of them. Huge clap. Wentworth season eight. We will do it. Oh my gosh, when is that out? I've got a couple of weeks. I've only got a few weeks to catch up on three seasons. Oh, you've got to, yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Got to get watching. Huge clap. All right. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much, Mulk. Lots more clap and slap tips from the rest of the team on the other side of this. And Rob and Robbo. Media executive Rob McKnight. Something brand new is coming to your social media feed. Big Brother winner Ben Norris. This is something bold and informative with a side of humour. And journalist David Robbo Robinson. It's truly going to be something different. The Ben Robin Robbo Show starts April 20. Go to tvblackbox.com.au slash BRR for more information. It's the Ben Robin Robbo, Ben Robin Robbo, Ben Robin Robbo Show. Yes, the Ben Robin Robbo Show is beaming into your black box, your TV black box, social feeds even, and over at Ticker TV every Monday through Thursday from 1pm. Check it out. Joe, you're up next for Clap or Slap. What's been on your watch list? Okay, well, school holidays, that always involves me having to watch stuff as a family. So we're <laughs> yes. still we're still committed to our Marvel universe. So oh, we yes. did we Iron Man 2, we've done mm. Avengers. I think I forget what we're doing. Another Captain America tonight once we okay. get off, off this. Um, always reminded how wonderful Robert Downey Jr. is, mm. I, I do mm-hmm. have to say. Um, I decided to try and break out of my typical genres, in, you know, prompted by our Facebook uh, group friends yes. uh, to try the sci-fi uh, show mm. on Netflix at the moment, Snowpiercer, the one with Jennifer Connelly. And I also thought I had loved Parasite, uh, which of course won the best film at the Academy Awards. Mm. Um, and it is in- inspired by the film made by that director. So I thought, okay, oh, right. well, if I liked that, I possibly will love this. Yes. I've got to say, you should never stray from what you don't really love. No. <laughs> Snowpiercer was, oh my God, watching a sort of grey dystopian future on a train. Basically, the world's come to an end and some lucky people have got on this train that's just doing this cycle around the earth forever because outside is frozen. Um, and, of course, the rich that got their tickets to get on at one end, it's a you know that sort of dystopian thing where the poor are uh, starving and down the back and turn to violence and... All of that stuff. The first episode dragged on like I was on a bloody train, I tell you. It's not enough for me to keep investing. I'm so sorry for fans. I, I, I truly think if you're a sci-fi fan, it might be up your alley. Uh, but this was Just not one for Just watch the me, movie. Right? Just watch the movie. I know, apparently the movie is brilliant. Uh, yeah, okay. So I should just go back to the original movie. You're right. Um, of course, keeping up with Royal House, uh, Real, Housewives, mm. Real Housewives of New York. Although, because I went back and watched season one... And two, to see now where they are, season 10, they've just got older and drunker. <laughs> I actually, it's actually made me sort of not, not enjoy the latest series as much because they are just a bunch of drunks. These women I should put that on the poster for season 10, older and drunker. <laughs> older and drunker. And um, their sort of eyes and foreheads and lips haven't aged, but the rest mm. of them has. It's kind of weird. But... They just, obviously, what was in the first series was actually kind of real, okay. I think, is what I'm trying to say, is by the 10th season, they know what they're doing. They just get them drunk and in a, a room mm. and to tear each other's, you know, 
the only way that you other. can tell how old they are, Joe, is to cut them in half and count the rings. <laughs> 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 well, they do. I tell you what, their houses get better. Reality TV oh, must yeah, really pay off well, from the yeah. apartments they're filmed in in the first season to now. Incredible. It's a bit like the Kardashians, isn't it? Now, mm. just quickly before I get to my clap or slap, it is 30 years, well, it was last week, for Ghost. So I had to make oh, the kids watch Patrick Ghost. Patrick Swayze. Patrick at his all-time. Oh, what did the kids El- think? Oh, they actually really enjoyed it. They did oh, okay. love it. It still stands the test of time. It really is one of those films that it is, you know, defines that era, doesn't yeah. it? The music, the Righteous Brothers... Mm. Really, it just is, you know, arguably one of the greatest romances of all time, I will dare say. And it earned a whopping, you know, amount for its time. So Mm. right up there, if you want to do something that's a bit of a legacy with your children, uh, put that on. It Mm -hmm. is on Netflix, I think I caught it on. Uh, But for my clap or slap for the week, and I'm kind of feeling a bit weird because you had so many wonderful claps. And this, for me, was a bit of a... Sitting on the fence one, but it it was interesting enough for me to promote, I think. It's uh, David Foster, Off the Record, and it's on Netflix. It's a documentary. It's a tribute to the multi-Grammy winning songwriter and producer. Now, I hate to keep bringing up reality TV, but I only knew him as Yolanda Foster's Mm ex-husband. Yolanda, who who was on the Beverly Hills Housewives, the mother of Gigi Hadid. Uh, but wow. they were briefly married, so we sort of were introduced to him there. And I knew he was a great music producer, but he really has, I had no idea how many songs <laughs> that man, how many moments in, I dare say, every single one of you boys' lives that man has created or that you will remember. Yeah. From uh, Chicago, which my kids love, you know, it's always on smooth, uh, to Tony Braxton's Unbreak My Heart, Whitney Houston's I Will Love You, he, mm, he wrote. Mm. Uh, Celine Dion's Because You Loved Me. Boob, the boobs. He started mm. the boobs and gave him boob Michael Bublé. He wrote the love theme from Selmo, Sel- Elmo's Fire. Like, mm. there are just so many the prayer. songs that really... I didn't realise he wrote The Prayer. The Prayer with Pacelli. Mm. So, yeah. so many moments mm. that when you hear them are seared in our hearts forever. They really, I think as Celine says in it, he wanted to make songs that lived forever. So they are the opposite of a pop song. They are what you turn on today and they take you back to that moment wherever you were, whether it was your wedding dance floor or, or whatever. Hey, so I'm grateful. Yes. Didn't Dolly Parton write I Will Always Love You? Oh, so, okay, yes. correction. She did. He found the song for Whitney ah, and he wrote the, he slowed it, it down, the tempo. Right. Yeah. Um, and, he and, produced you know, gave it, the it. big Sizzled it. The arrangement. Right. Yeah. Yes. The yeah. arrangement. So um, it's really interesting as a musical journey. How gay am I right As a now? documentary. No, that was great fact-checking, Malk. I'm on the board. Yes, it was. And it was, you're right, Dolly did write that. She's a great songwriter. She'd be like Prince. She's written a lot of songs that oh, we don't realise. Yeah. Um, so it was great as a musical journey. As an actual documentary, I got the feeling he's obviously a real uh, control freak within the studio and I got my... Got the feeling he had his paws all over the documentary as well. So it was hardly, what's that word? You know, it was very... Objective. Uh, hardly objective. It felt very... He's an egotist. He did admit to being that. He's, he's now mm. five marriages in, four kids, one he barely knows. He adopted out early. He mm. admits that he's not the perfect father or husband. He's now married um, an actress 35 years younger. But his work is genius. So if you would do like yes. that kind of music... It is worth visiting just to see how those songs were made and the artists that made them. So for that, I'm going to give it a clap. A clap. I actually watched it during the week too, Joe, because you'd mentioned to me that you were watching yes. it and I, I what put did it you on. Think? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you I did found enjoy myself it well. Good. Yeah, getting a bit emotional in places actually. I think it was mm. that nostalgia thing, just mm. like when those songs were coming on, I'm like, oh God, that means so much to me from yes. you know, back in the day. So yeah, and just so many hits. I didn't realise he was responsible for the boob and Josh Groban and just yes. so many mm. wonderful people. So yeah, check that one out. That's a that's a good one. All right, thank you, Joe Brookie. What have you got for us this week? Uh, I'm only going to feature two shows. They're both on SBS and SBS On Demand. Mm-hmm. The first one, to my somewhat shame, I had actually watched a previous week and just left off my list to mention, but that all plays in our favour because I've watched a couple of extra episodes now. It is the documentary series mm. called America in Colour. Excellent. 
which takes a very simple idea, which is archive footage in black and white that tells the history of America. We're in the 20th century here, going from the 1920s onwards, colorizes it and produces a quite compelling narrative about the massive changes that the nation has undergone just in the 20th century from prohibition to the in the 1920s to the great depression in the 1930s and the huge infrastructure project building the hoover dam i don't know if you've ever been to the hoover dam but it is amazing to go and eyewitness it's even as amazing to see that uh, massive construction project being built and then we go through the war era of the 40s we look at hollywood in the 50s which i thought would be the episode that i would enjoy the most but no actually it was the 1960s jfk his rise to power but most poignantly the civil rights struggle which chimes directly with what's happening with america at the moment in the black lives matter movement but to see those pioneers for the equal rights civil rights struggle venture into the deep south and be attacked was quite confronting and some of the footage are the most famous things that you have seen but others are equally very rare footage uh and so i would highly recommend that i found that an engrossing history of a period that you kind of think you know but there is so much more going on than you realize so that is uh, america in color gets the U in the word colour hmm. for some reason, probably known only to SBS. <laughs> but the other one, I think Malk might have mentioned this one last week, was a programme I expected not to enjoy. Mm. And I don't know why I had quite set against this one, but I think I might have half read a review that panned it. But it's War of the Worlds, a science fiction drama blockbuster on SBS, my favourite genre. <laughs> And this is a story that has been told and told again since H.G. Wells wrote the book. I don't know if you recall seeing in the 1970s Day of the Triffids, which was a a BBC drama, uh, very similar storyline, some kind of event and the earth turns on its head and uh, small plucky bands of survivors have to try and make their way. In that series, it was giant people-eating plants that they had to Mm. battle against. War of the Worlds, we've seen quite a few adaptations. There's that Steven Spielberg film with Tom Cruise about a decade ago. I thought excellent. There was uh, World War Z Mm. with Brad Pitt that was a kind of zombie turn on the story. Uh, There was a couple of years ago a BBC period adaptation that I didn't see but Mm. was completely panned on IMDb. worst reviews i think i've ever read in my life they sort of seem to suggest that the idea was quite good but the whole thing had been noted to death by bbc executives and this one is a european co-production which Mm. always rings alarm bells to me but uh i think it's paid off handsomely in this case there's lots of divergent characters there's a mum trying to deal with her kids Uh, one of whom is blind and played by the extremely yummy star of normal people, Daisy Edgar-Jones. Oh, yes. Uh, Perhaps the couple that I thought were least successful were the big stars, which is Gabrielle Byrne and Downton Abbey's Elizabeth McGovern, Mm. who play a divorced couple who are thrown together in the circumstances of the alien invasion. This is very much the Jaws uh, alien school of filmmaking. The less you see of the aliens, the better. Mm. You don't actually see the mass incident that causes the mass extinction of the human race, but you do get a lot of cliched dialogue from Gabrielle Byrne Mm. and Elizabeth McGovern as they kind of bitch their way through the wasteland (laughs) of humanity, trying to put things back together. Um, There's an incredibly creepy scene in a supermarket which obeys all the classic tropes of science fiction where you are shouting at the television screen, do not go into the supermarket. (laughs) There's no logical reason for you to go into Mm. the supermarket. You are nuts to go into the supermarket. 
And of course, they go into the supermarket. And of course, because there are small children involved, you expect everything to be hunky-dory. But having watched Marcella, you know that in modern day drama making, uh, having kids is no barrier to dreadful things happening. Very <laughs> yeah. So that is uh, another two big claps from me this week. Thank you, SBS. Ah. Excellent. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Brookie. Now, actually, Dan, yes. I have a question because on the TV Binge Box Facebook page, mm-hmm. there is a very dramatic post. Uh, oh, my God. With four <laughs> or five, yes. five exclamation marks. Mm-hmm. Binge boxes. I do I have a... I did count yeah. them. Do I have asterisk extraordinary asterisk show recommendation yeah. for you? on the next TV Binge Box podcast. If you thought making a murderer and the staircase were fascinating and to keep you guessing, then you're going to love this one as much as I do, Daniel. Look at Daniel. you building this up, <laughs> I, I Well, look, I have been waiting half a week to find out what's going on now. I, with the rest of you, get my chance. Well, so, Daniel, thank you over very much. You have to, to wait you. a little bit longer because I'm going to save that for the very, very end of my Oh, well, I'm going to go make a cup bit. of tea then. First up this week... I dipped into Neighbours over on 10 Peach on Friday night. Their COVID-affected episodes have started to mm. wear, so I wanted to check it out. Oh, yeah. They're doing a great job. You can see some small differences if you're really looking for them, but it all, all, all in all, it seemed to be business as usual, which was great. Um, the episode also featured the character of Mackenzie, played by Georgie Stone, mm. recovering from her gender confirmation surgery. Um, it's great to see Neighbours still leading the way with gender diversity and inclusion in their storylines. They really are a leader in that way, so big props to them for that. Um, and it certainly made up for the awful exit given to Jodie Gordon's character, which happened in the same episode. The less said about that, the better. Aww. But overall, good things happening on Neighbours over on 10 Peach or streaming on 10 Play, of course. Mm. Also this week, Channel 9 launched their new Obdoc Emergency on Wednesday night. This one offers a fly-on-the-wall look at the emergency department at the busy Royal Melbourne Hospital. It's a familiar concept, RPA for the new generation, but the stories are interesting. The doctors are good to watch. It's nicely produced. So definitely worth checking out yep. if that sort of thing is your bag. That's Emergency on Channel 9 or 9 Now. For a bit of light relief, excuse me, I'm choking already in excitement and anticipation, um, I checked out the new stand-up special from Aussie comedian Jim Jeffries, which dropped on Netflix. This one's called Jim Jeffries Intolerant. I mentioned it on our Facebook page but wanted to give it a shout-out here too. If you're not a fan of swearing or you're prone to being offended, then you should probably avoid this one. But I laughed till my stomach hurts. His bit about millennials was especially entertaining and some good social commentary beneath the jokes, which I thought was really good. Um, Definitely won't be for everyone, let me say that, but I enjoyed it very much. That's Jim Jeffries' Intolerant on Netflix. Then, of course, I had to get back into my docos because I just can't get enough of them. First up, and you may have seen this one float across your Netflix screens and just thought, what the hell is that? It's called Mucho Mucho Amor, The Legend of Walter Mercado. Mm. This is a movie-length documentary about larger-than-life Puerto Rican astrologer and psychic Walter Mercado. He's apparently incredibly well-known in the psychic world, especially on that side of the planet where he was a household name for years and years as he delivered daily horoscopes to his viewers. And this doco tells that story, plus the reasons he very suddenly dropped off the radar and where he's at now. I mean, talk about a character. This man is a character. He's got the bling, he's got the capes, he's got the makeup, the plastic surgery, everything about him is extra. Dan, he's no Karen Morgold. (laughs) <laughs> no, he's not. Okay. That is very true. But look, I wasn't sure what to expect when I put this one on, but I found it really delightful to watch. Lin-Manuel Miranda from Hamilton pops up, totally fanboying wow. over this guy. You see inside his mansion and get a glimpse into what he's up to now at the ripe old age of 88. Um, and I also found it really moving, actually, in parts. He seems to have lived a really lonely life in many ways, despite all the show and the fame. Um, so this is a big surprising recommendation for me. Mucho, mucho amor. The Legend of Walter Mercado on Netflix. Next, if you're a parent of teenage boys, Malk, Joe, Mm. I think this one Mm. will definitely interest you both. But Mm. even if you're not a parent of teenage boys, this is still such an important watch. It's the documentary The Mask You Live In on Netflix. It follows boys and young men as they struggle to stay true to themselves when negotiating America's narrow definition of masculinity. Mm. It explores the pressure they face and feel from the media, their peer group, 
and even the adults in their lives, encouraging them to disconnect from their emotions, devalue authentic friendships, objectify and degrade women, and resolve, conf and resolve conflicts through violence, because that's what real men do, apparently. I found this so eye-opening about what young people think it means to be a man, even in this day and age. Um, throughout the doco, experts in neuroscience, psychology, sociology, sports, education and media also weigh in, also weigh in offering evidence of the boy crisis, they call it, um, and the tactics to combat it and raise a healthier generation of boys and young men. I cannot rave about this one enough. It's called The Mask You Live In on Netflix. And really, to really. to watch with your son? Or to with watch your, yeah, with, with your, your son, son. Okay. absolutely. Um, and finally, if you're part of our Facebook group, Brookie, here we go. Ready? Lean ready. in. Drum okay, roll, uh, hang on, okay. hang on. I'm, I'm just strapping in my strapping seat. I'm looking in. for a fanfare as we speak. Good. That's my drum roll. Yes. It is the new five part docuseries Outcry, streaming now on Stan. It's about the gripping story of high school football star Greg Kelly in the US, who was arrested, convicted, and jailed for the sexual assault of a four year old boy and his supporters' quest for truth and justice. I'd heard nothing about this one before I put on, but I was absolutely captivated. I could not turn it off. I don't want to risk saying too much and risk any spoilers, but it's definitely one of those ones that keeps you guessing, is he guilty or not? And it's interesting coming off the back of our Athlete A discussion last mm. week and the passion we all have for seeing anyone who hurts children face justice. Mm -hmm. Well, this docuseries comes at that subject matter from a very different angle as politics and loyalty and lots of other things come into play to get the conviction against Kelly, even if he's not guilty of the crime. Or wow. maybe he is guilty. That's the thing. You need to keep watching wow. this as the story unfold. You'll definitely be glad you did. As I said, it's only five episodes, so it's totally bingeable with lots of great access across the span of over seven years as this story plays out. It only just wrapped up the story in real life, just wrapped up in February this year. So it's all very recent and current and they do a great job here. It is a big, big, big clap from me for Outcry and Stan. <laughs> Dan, uh, you're torturing me. I've just started a new job. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, I do not the have the time. Mulk, can you edit out the next bit? Sure. Can you just skip right to the end and tell me <laughs> <laughs> the guy did it or did he do it? I don't want to ruin it. Are you going to watch it, Joe and Mulk? Yeah, I... Can you I hold up a sign? Yeah. Can you write it I'll, on a I'll sign? Send, you and hold send it, it in a private yeah, I'll message. Send you but is it like the staircase where you don't ever... Stairwell staircase, I always get that one mixed up. Where you don't... You're left no, 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 you, yourself and you don't know. At a certain point throughout it, you, you do, do get the answer. Um, but, yeah. And, and Dan... Yeah. Talking about your great recommendations, I have to thank you. I watched that one episode of Lennox Hill you recommended when the pandemic hits oh, the New yeah. York hospital, and that is fantastic. And I have to say to anyone out there, it is really worth just tuning into at what, you know, living in real time, what that facing. Yeah. And just like. to neatly tie things back together, mm. Amy Schumer has a baby at Lennox Hill. Oh, right, oh, and I'd never heard okay. of Lennox Hill Hospital before the docuseries, yeah, and then Amy was having a baby there, and it all came together. Surprise. Surprise. Um, All right. So that's what we've been watching this past week. How about you? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We're at TV underscore binge box on Twitter or TV binge box podcast gang on Facebook, where more and more people are joining the conversation with us. Thanks so much to everyone who's jumped on board. Brookie, what have been the highlights this week? Well, thank you, each and every one of our 830 members. Wow. We are growing like topsy. It's a sickness. And I think it's only been about three weeks. Donna Gabay, you pushed it's all my buttons enough. with your post on ZBG, a 1972 science fiction <laughs> film I had never heard of but loved that way out poster of its time. Stars well-known 70s Hellraiser Oliver Reed. The storyline, families have been banned from having children, but one family decide <gasps> to break the rules. Sound familiar, Margaret Atwood fans? Mm. Clint Tice has done it again with his uh, Rewind recommendation, this time another boxed set, Return to Eden, the classic 1980s classic. super set, uh, super soap from, I think, Channel 10, Involving someone getting savaged by a crocodile. How Aussie can well, you David get? David Rain, for goodness sakes. 
And uh, I think Peter Tapano and Rebecca Gilling from oh, Memory. Yes, yeah. Mike Goldman, thank you for sharing with us uh, your exciting-looking Big Brother show for people who are still following Seven's reality TV format. All three of you. <laughs> Sandra Tate Hassanine, who sent us a fantastic post. She said she was stuck in the car at the kids' footy training, listening and loving oh. the podcast. Shout out to David Sidwell, a new member who had an excellent post. I encourage you to look it up about, you know, what happens when you give up on a series too early, mm, say, yeah. after one episode, because you've heard good things and then you find yourself going back in. He did this with the ABC Sunday night drama Operation Buffalo, disliked episode one, got persuaded otherwise and was very glad he did. So, to our post of the week, mm-hmm. which has brevity and simplicity. Oh, actually, before that, we have to get to our dud post oh. of the week. Oh. we give that? Some guy, we are now, <laughs> some guy called Daniel Mark, mm-hmm. who whinged about how he didn't like Timothy Chamberlain. <laughs> yeah. I was, some people have no taste. I was baffled oh, by that one. Oh, my daughter will have you, your head on a platter. Oh, I apologise, everyone. Sorry. She even went in her I'm not touching that. To meet him at the spot when he was here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I take it all back. He's lovely. He's great. No, no, you've got to have the courage of your convictions, Daniel. No, I'm nothing worse. No. (laughs) Was that from calling by your name? Don't be a people pleaser. (laughs) Don't anyway. Rookie, before you get into Uh, post of the week, is this? Are we going to have to get like a sponsorship from Bataki Hams or something? I feel like I feel like we almost need to be giving something away. Yeah. Yes, so yeah, 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 yeah. So, so someone well, can go and buy a box set. Well, <laughs> I actually, funny you should mention that. I went to my local newsagents and I bought a second hand box set of Doctor oh, Who, the new generation so series two. So maybe we could give that one away. Second I don't know. Hand. They sell second hand. We should probably give away something. Well, people I, you know what, Joe? I had it in my hand and I said to him, is this second hand? And he <laughs> said, yes. And I thought, am I going to put it back on the pay? shelf? I paid 10 no. bucks. Oh give me a, throw me you a freaking bone. I mean, that's great, Brookie. Well done. <laughs> anyway, look, my point about box sets yes. is that you don't, Joe, on a streaming service, get the deleted scenes mm, or okay. the special features, right. do you? And if the program is more than 50 years old, there's going to be a lot of special features and deleted scenes. Thank you very much, Sermon Over. They're starting to. Anyway, what was the post of the week? <laughs> post of the week. New member Andrew Fox. His very first post and I'm going to read it out in its entirety because I just thought this was brilliant. He posted, The sinner is ruining my sleep. <laughs> we can all relate. In a good way or a bad way, we should find out. We need some more details. Oh, yes. yes. No, I just, I didn't even know what the sinner is, but it completely spoke to me of when you become so obsessed with a television program yes. We have all been there that all other considerations oh, of wow. your health and yes. well-being <laughs> yes. are pushed to one side because it's so good. Yes. So thank you very much, Andrew, for that That very, I thought it said a lot with very little. Indeed. Thank you, Andrew. Welcome to the gang. Folks, we're nearly done, but there is always a time for a quick round of. Rewind. Malk, what have you been dusting off from the archives this week? Well, friends, let's dive into this straight away. Yes. And um, it really makes you think. Dan, thank you. Oh, okay. In on the eighteenth of July, nineteen ninety-two, a group of ne'er do wells um, landed mm-hmm. on our TV screens um, after the bulk of them had spent the last few years hosting FM radio in Melbourne. They badged themselves the Degeneration and delivered to oh. us the Late Show, which in itself was fine, and it was uh, almost the replacement for Hey Hey, the show you had to watch before you went out. It was delightful fun. It introduced us to uh, such incredible comedians as Judith Lucy and Tony Martin, uh, (laughs) Santo Chilaro and Rob Sitch in their roles, inevitably that were many and bad-wigged in their entirety. But I don't want to talk about The Late Show. When they wrapped it up, everyone wondered what was going to come next. Yes. And then in 1994, four of those people got together and formed a company called Working Dog and delivered to us the groundbreaking satirical comedy series, Frontline. 
Mm-hmm. It ran for 13, uh, sorry, three episodes of 13, three series of 13 episodes each, just as well I edit this thing. Uh, and, and it was, and it still stands up today as comedy that you can watch that gives great, um, casts some great shots across the bow of television journalism, particularly current and public affairs. Uh, Rob Sitch in, uh, the, I guess, the, the hosting role as Mike Moore. Um it, it was, look, if you watch it back now, it kind of looks weird, and that's because it was the intentionality of how they made it. Uh, scripts were written, the episodes were filmed within a week so that it tied them into the current affairs topics of the week, uh, mm-hmm. and they covered off some amazing topics across those 39 episodes, including parodying uh, a, a, a hostage siege situation where uh, then-current affairs host Mike Willisey had a phone call with the person who was holding the hostage and Mike Moore did the same thing. Mm. Um, That was in the first series, if you don't mind. Um, They they covered off uh, issues of Contra and people getting things for doing stories and how people maybe sold out their journalistic integrity. Um, Jane Kennedy was the ever sharp and bitchy Brooke Vandenberg trying to climb over the top of anyone at anything. She was so hot. So hot. Like even I thought that. I clearly so had a lot hot. to learn about myself. But <laughs> very hot. Uh, I love Jane Heaps, and yeah, there are lots of people that think of, of Brooke Vandenberg as, as you know, just the girl. She certainly was a pinup for her time. Tyriel Mora uh, was uh, the you know much kind of browbeaten um, other, you know, the the, the gutsy blokey uh, journalist of the team, uh, Martin Destazio, uh, who often got into sort of pinches and, and problems that he couldn't get himself out of or that were of his own making because maybe he did some shady things. Uh, there's one episode where he hasn't been sleeping because he's receiving death threats for a story and Mike is oblivious to it and just thinks that Marty needs to sharpen up and do the whole thing. Um, it was really, really great. Rob's hairstyle as Mike followed or mimicked Ray Martin's across those three seasons. The wig <laughs> became... Um, incredible in itself it introduced us yeah yeah introduced us to harry shearer uh as a consultant that dropped in on one episode to help them revamp frontline because it needed you know to to pick up in the ratings and delivered all of the cliches of everything that we thought as much as everything that actually happened behind the scenes in television in that regard alison white was the long-suffering producer emma um and then, and then, and then, there were some amazing people involved and connected to it. Some incredible cameos, including Pauline Hanson. Hi, Brookie. I just wanted to add that uh, Ree Brooke Vandenberg, I interviewed Jane mm. Kennedy uh, very recently, actually, and uh, for my podcast, Behind the Media, and I said, what happened to Brooke Vandenberg? Did she ever get, mm. which was a major part of the plot line, her own TV show, which she you know spent three years scheming for? Mm. And Jane said, yeah, you know, she did, but it was... Late on Friday nights on Sky News. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and we, we have seen Mike pop up recently. Mike Moore, he, he was a part of the ABC's mental health initiative a few years ago, um, introducing a story and sort of revisiting such that it was uh, his, his journalistic career. Every episode is available to us right now on Stan. It is worth the time to plough through it. I've been watching it with uh, my 15-year-old, uh, and he's been laughing at all of the right places and asking all of the right questions around current affairs. It's just so good. And even down to the fact that they shot most of it under the fluoro lights of the office mm, that they okay. filmed in on Handycam. So it's shaky, particularly in season one. Um, and it was Tom and Santo doing the camera work. Uh, and then it was only the in-studio portion where Mike was presenting the show that was filmed on, on like SP right. beta cam or, or proper studio cameras to give it that behind the scenes yep. kind of like we're really filming behind what's actually happening. Amazing, amazing, amazing. It's so definitely it's reality worth watching. before reality. Yeah, look, and, and they went through an executive producer each season. That unfortunately started because Bruno Lawrence died in between season one and season two. Um, however, they kept that rolling and it meant that their executive producer turned over each year, which gave it a new flavour and new it flavor, finished yeah. season three with Steve Bastoni in this lecherous um, kind of everything that you think is wrong with journalism, uh, executive producer. Bisley. Uh, sorry, Steve, Steve Bisley. Sorry, Steve Bisley, yes, uh, as Prowsey. Uh, and right. it's horrendous and so great. Frontline uh, was an ABC production, is all on stand right now, and you should do it. An Aussie mm. classic. Thank you very much, Malk. 
Rookie will be back in the archives again next week. But for now, it is time to say a huge thanks to our binge boxers, Malk, Joe and Brookie. Where can we find you on the socials, Malk? I am at Steve Malk everywhere that it counts. And friends, please do leave us your your reviews and leave us your um, five-star ratings on the podcast. We really appreciate it. No one has yet taken over my heart, such as last week's uh, commenter that said that I give the best reviews. And now (laughs) shall there be anyone that will? (laughs) It's because you delete anyone else's, write anything. No, that's not true. All right, I don't Joe. have the power to do that. <laughs> Joe. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how to come back from that ego. Um, at Joe Casamento one <laughs> is where I'm at on Twitter, at Joe.Casamento on Instagram. And Brookie. I'm at Viscount Brookie on the socials, or I'm on page two of The Age in the Sydney Morning Herald. Oh, wow, indeed. That beautiful Look, headshot. A great so much headshot. gravitas. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, all the gravitas. So much gravitas. And I'm at Dan M. Bennett on Twitter and underscore Dan M. Bennett on Instagram. Thank you to everyone for listening. We look forward to your company again next week for more TV Beach Box. Until then, we're out. Yeah. Mm, thanks for joining us.